Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder. Phil, not with us this week. And it's going to be a little mini episode, just a couple comments I wanted to bring to you with regard to oh, just some goings on in the political world. And it's convention week in New York State. Uh, the big news, the Republican and Democratic Convention, I should say, I guess the Democratic Convention making the bigger news in New York State right now, both being held simultaneously, which is a little bit unusual. Usually the parties allow themselves a little breathing room, a little uh, news room. Now they're competing head-to-head. Uh, we know that Governor Cuomo is ultra-competitive with just about everything, and we're actually seeing that uh, as we... Uh, as he faces off in a primary challenge from Cynthia Nixon, a number of things that the governor has done. Apparently, the Cynthia Nixon was holding a little forum yesterday at the convention, and they did not allow her to have a mic in the room. That was a little gamesmanship. All's fair with regard to politics. I wish Phil here were here to defend the Democratic side, because I, the main thing that actually I wanted to focus on in in the short time that we have this morning, is the movement to expel State Senator Simcha Felder from the Democratic Party in New York State. That's right. And if you're not paying attention out there, the State Party wants to expel Simcha Felder. Now, Simcha Felder of Brooklyn, former Democratic City Councilman, a former Deputy Controller of the City of New York, and now a state senator who has represented Borough Park and Flatbush uh, with distinction over the years, a, a immense true public servant. The Democrats want to expel him. Why? Because he's chosen uh, that ideologically the Senate Republicans are more to his taste. They're more in tune with the feelings of his conservative district, despite the fact that he is a Democrat. You could still be a conservative Democrat. But he is not liberal enough, or I guess progressive enough is now the buzzword, progressive enough for the new Democratic Party. That's right. I mean, a lot of people talk about the Republican Party moving to a more extreme stance on many issues, moving far to the right. Well, the Democratic Party seems to be moving just as far to the left. And those that are not in tune with identity politics, with uh, progressivism, with... uh, rights for uh, same-sex couples and uh, uh, the pro-choice movement, so those being abortion rights, reproductive rights, uh, who are not in tune and not willing to carry the water, and also, I guess, uh, who are, they have to be, you have to be anti-private schools, you have to be anti-yeshivas, that many in the Democratic Party are. It's not just that they're pro-public school, they literally do not want to give a dime many uh, in the Democratic Party do not want to give a single dime to yeshivas and to hard-working, tax-paying parents who pay taxes yet do not avail themselves of public education, and even when it's constitutionally permissible, they're not interested. So Simcha Felder has been a champion of many of those things, and he's found that much of what he believes in is probably more in tune with his colleagues on the Republican side of the aisle. And, you know, remember, people are not elected as a party. They're elected as individuals. Yes, they run individual party lines. Now, the interesting thing about Simcha Felder, of course, is that Simcha has run on the Democratic Party line, on the Republican Party line, on the Conservative Party line. I believe the Independence line as well. 
uh, multiple parties in New York State. That's the way New York State politics goes. But the Democrats, of which he is a registered member, they want to throw him out. And the thing is, it just seems incredibly short-sighted that you would, when in a party where you have a guy like Charles Barron, who openly is openly hostile to Israel, openly hostile to the Jewish people, in many cases, who embraces dictators uh, like Robert Mugabe and embraces, uh, you know, kind of the worst of the worst of the world's uh, tyrants, and you have people in the Democratic Party who praise, uh, like Linda Sarsour, who praise terrorists. Uh, this terrorism against Jews, terrorism against others, uh, this is somehow, Simchafelder is the worst of the worst. This is a guy that you should throw out. And I know a lot of people have been saying this for a long time, and it's a little bit sad because I, I, I certainly believe that there's room across the ideological spectrum for, I think there's room for Republicans who don't fully embrace the entirety of the party platform or the, or the party orthodoxy. And I think there are Democrats who don't fully embrace the entirety of the party orthodoxy, and that's a good thing for democracy. Yet, for some reason, the move is to expel Simchafelder. There would be a vote today, uh, presumably, unless it's stopped. And I think for a lot of reasons politically it should be stopped. But there would be a vote today to expel Felder from the party. And this was expected to be tabled at the executive committee yesterday, and it was not. And it seems to be moving forward because some people just can't stand the idea that somebody is willing to essentially think for themselves. The funny thing is, is that let's just say, for example, that Simchafelder were to go ahead and join the Senate Democrats. So the Senate is evenly divided. Just to give some background, the New York State Senate is evenly divided, 32-31. There's 63 seats in total. And Simchafelder, so it's 31 uh, Democrats who caucus with the Democrats, 31 Republicans who caucus with the Republicans, and one Simchafelder, a Democrat, who caucus with the Republicans. And a reminder, he had, does run on the Republican line as well. So the interesting thing here is, of course, that Simchafelder uh, would then potentially be the 32nd Democratic vote, but he's not with the Democratic Party on many of the key issues that they're looking for, which is such as gender equality and such as uh, uh, particularly with regard to uh, <clears throat> public school education, and with regard to pro-choice, the Women's Equality Act, uh, some of this legislation, he is just not with them. And, you know, I'm sure this, uh, you know, Democrats in Albany have also failed to pass pro-Israel anti-BDS legislation and some of those other items. So he wouldn't even be the 30-second vote on a lot of these progressive ideas anyway. It almost just seems that this is, for lack of a better word, a shtuch. And, uh, you know, for those of you out there not con conversant with the uh, language, a shtuch is really just like a, a slap in the face. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's a slap in the face. It's a little, uh, it's a little shot in the arm that you, you kind of go ahead and smack somebody uh, towards not just Simcha, but the entire Orthodox community uh, in a sense that the Democratic Party has kind of moved so far left that they're saying, well, the Orthodox Jewish community, particularly in Brooklyn, has been so much, has been very much a part of the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party being very powerful in Brooklyn, that essentially the 
feelings of the more conservative-leaning Orthodox Party, uh, the Orthodox Jewish community within the Democratic Party are just not all that important anymore. The important thing about the Democratic Party is to be progressive. And again, you know, I'm a Republican. You know, Phil Goldfeder is not here to defend the Democrats, and that's unfortunate, but the scheduling is what it is. But it's really just incredibly disappointing, and I, I think it's important to highlight this. And the funny thing is, politically, is that Governor Cuomo has always been that moderate path. He's always actually gone out of his way. I mean, you, uh, on being pro-Israel, traveling to Israel, uh, and being a person who has been steadfast with regard to causes that are important to the Orthodox community. And he would seem to need, or at least to want very much, in his primary with a more progressive candidate like Cynthia Nixon, he would seem to want Orthodox Jewish votes. And this move just seems to drive a huge wedge between the party and the Orthodox Jewish community and wondering whether they will turn around and come back and vote for Andrew Cuomo come September. I mean, September being the primary. And because this is support that he needs, these are conservative, these are voters. I mean, Cynthia Nixon is clearly not a good choice for committed Jewish voters. She's pro-BDS, or she has been in the past, meaning she has encouraged other celebrities to boycott Israel, uh, which is you know, just, uh, to me, beyond the pale, uh, to, you know, to not perform and to not go to Israel. And so Cynthia Nixon has, is certainly not a good choice. And will they willing to go to Andrew Cuomo, who has, who has controls the Democratic Party and has essentially thrown Simcha Felder, one of our own, out of the party. Now, with Dove Heike retiring and others uh, having to kind of pick up the pieces, other Orthodox Jews being part of the, the Democratic Party kind of have to wonder where they stand and whether they, in fact, can be part of the Democratic Party if they don't follow the party orthodoxy. And it's troubling for a number of reasons. I mean, we, as a community, should maintain influence, should maintain participation at all levels of government, I believe, local, national. I mean, we, we, it's important for us to stand up for who we are and stand up for what we need and stand up for what we believe in and participate to the fullest extent, just like everybody else has the right to. But yet, some will say that based on beliefs and based on deeply held beliefs and convictions that we should not, uh, as a group, we should not really be able to express ourselves fully and really fight for the things that we want and believe in. And, you know, this is not as if Simcha Felder has done anything wrong. He's being accused of anything uh, inappropriate, unethical whatsoever. This is purely, and, you know, this is not like, Many others in Albany who have done uh, and done acts that are uh, uh, who have been accused of acts that are uh, inappropriate and criminal, they have not been expelled from the party. But yet, Simchafelder faces that possibility. Now, I, I think politically it won't hurt him at all. He does have a Democratic primary challenger. I think the Orthodox community in the district will rally around him. Uh, and I don't think he will be, and, you know, he can always run on the Republican line or the conservative line and he'll still win. He's immensely popular. He's always been an immensely popular politician and will continue to be so because he's a great public servant. Uh, I think it's a huge mistake from my perspective 
on the uh, Democratic side, and I can't, it's hard for me to understand exactly, you know, what the calculation is and what the calculus is for what they are doing. But uh, again, not being a Democrat, uh, I will leave it to greater experts, but I do think overall this sends a very chilling message to us. Uh, the Democratic Party is increasingly uh, progressive on Israel issues. No Democrats showed up in Israel to celebrate the opening of the embassy, probably for partisan reasons. They don't want to see, be seen as supporting a, a big move of the Trump administration. But overall, it's just, it's very, very, there's a very, very troubling development that uh, is going on. Number two, and I think a big item, uh, which is just, and I know, and I've seen comments on Facebook and elsewhere, but I do think that we need a little reality check as a community as far as the way we look at Oh, the way we look at uh, Israel and the Israeli politics, and everybody was just a week ago euphoric and celebratory about the move of the United States Embassy to Jerusalem. And as I mentioned on this show, and enough of the show, how much credit Ambassador David Friedman deserves and should get, and his chief of staff, Arya Lightstone, deserves for really engineering and changing the way in which the U.S. State Department and the United States in general uses with regard to terminology, with regard to Israel, and just the embassy move altogether. It's just an incredible coup. Then David Friedman goes to B'nai Brock to a, I don't know, an Orthodox organization, nonprofit charity organization, and goes and somebody and some and I, I hate to say it but some idiot and that's really what it comes down to I hate to use the word in the show but this is just a foolish stupid I mean just there's there are no words for the incredible uh, embarrassment that this has caused and potentially you know geopolitical ramifications now some people feel okay you know we all we all hope for Mashiach and I'm and I'm referring to a poster that showed the Bayashlishi, essentially showed the Temple Mount devoid of the Dome of the Rock, and the Harabayas devoid of the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and in instead the third base Hamikdash. And beautiful, Yamos HaMashiach, we all hope for it, we all yearn for it, Nir Tashem, that'll happen to Karov. But the reality in which we live is that there's something else there right now. And to deny the reality of it, and even as a joke, to suggest that the U.S. ambassador, even if he is a from Jew, somehow supports the destruction of the mosques on Har Habayis, is such a foolish, short-sighted, idiotic move to embarrass him in such a way, to embarrass the United States government in such a way, to embarrass the president in such a way, with this type of idiocy and lunacy, it, it, it just it boggles the mind. It's just so shocking that somebody would not have the good sense to not do this, and the good, or somebody else there might have the good sense to stop this while it was happening. But of course... It's almost like it's funny. Let's go ahead and we'll invite 
David Friedman will have the honor of having the United States ambassador to Israel at our institution, and let's embarrass him while he is with us. I don't know what to say. And yet there are people out there who, who don't seem to understand the ramifications. Well, what's the big deal? Of course we know. I agree. Of course we hope eventually the third base semi-touch will be built. But nobody, that's not a dispute. Uh, the other reaction is we don't need to apologize for this type of thing. Well, yes, we do. We need to apologize because we just had a momentous occasion with a geopolitical reality with a political reality, we've changed the terms of the game. We changed the we changed the the game, as I said. That you know, this is the ultimate game changer by moving the embassy to Yerushalayim. This changes the whole framework. This changes potential for final status talks. I mean, there's so many things that this changes. And then we go ahead, and somebody, some idiot, goes ahead and undermines it, and undermines all this good work by pulling a stunt like this. And I'm sure that, you know, the guy, whoever it is, goes back to shul and everyone says, oh, great job, great job, you did a great job. And my friends, there is nothing to be said other than you have undermined a friend of Israel, you have undermined a from person, you have undermined the efforts of so many to change the framework of the peace process, to change the, the status of Yerushalayim, to change the United States government after all these years to recognize Yerushalayim. And when we say, and we say that really it's not enough that the United States recognizes Yerushalayim as the capital of Israel, but not only that, we want to take over Har Habayis and go ahead and destroy the mosques and build the Beis HaMikdash. Now the question, you know, building the Beis HaMikdash anyway is a, is a big question. But is that really going to happen? Is that something we're looking for? We're looking for that type of religious war to usher that in, to usher in a, a, uh, Muslims around the world to rise up? I, it's not even, it, it, it's so mind-boggling that somebody would actually embrace this as something smart to do. And, you know, perhaps, perhaps I'm out there and I'm not understanding the reality, but let's just give it on its very basic. Let's just say that perhaps it was a somewhat smart thing to do, and we're advancing a political agenda that's somehow realistic. You've embarrassed, at the very base, you've embarrassed a friend in public. You've embarrassed the United States ambassador in public in front of the world. This picture will be able to be played over and over and over and used as propaganda to show what the Jews' agenda, what the Israelis' agenda really is with regard to Yerushalayim. And that is a huge mistake. There is nobody who says that we should somehow put on the table right now the position that somehow we should raise the mosques and I mean raise as an R-A-Z-E, destroy the mosques, blow up the mosques, and replace it with the third, with the Bayesh Lishi. There's just, 
I don't know of anybody who actually says that who is a serious person interested in making peace in any which way. And the idea that somehow there might ever be peace in Israel, if that should happen, is preposterous. But as I said, at the very least, at the very basic, we have terribly embarrassed, and I said I think the word was used, we basically stabbed Ambassador Friedman in the back after all the work that he has done. And it's just shocking that you would do that to a friend and not have the good sense to keep your emotions, to keep your, uh, your political desires in check in such an important time with regard to the U.S.-Israel relationship. So those two points really wanted to go ahead and distill this morning uh, and just two comments, I guess, with regard, a couple comments with regard to politics. Uh, Jeff Flake uh, last night, yesterday at Harvard, gave a speech. Uh, he, you know, he, he's going out, but he's not going out quietly. Uh, Jeff Flake, Center for Arizona, is retiring. Uh, couldn't really find any comfort in the Trump era and has uh, said, has came out strongly against President Trump, saying that he has debased the presidency. Very strong words. Uh, you know, another thing is presidents looking for that Nobel Prize with regard to North Korea, and uh, I think, you know, getting a little nervous that that summit might not actually happen uh, back and forth now. I mean, this is the game that North Korea has played over and over with multiple presidents. You know, they hold out this idea that somehow they're going to normalize as a country and come back and go ahead and uh, join the rest of civilization and just when you thought that they were going to come to their senses, they turn around and say, nope, nope, not interested, not interested in giving up the news. It's hard for me to envision a situation where they actually go ahead and give and denuclearize entirely and leave that deterrent alone. It would almost, uh, but, you know, the, the one thing that's kind of giving them pause is the fact that uh, uh, John Bolton, and Mike Pence and others have compared them to Libya. And we all know what happened to Muammar Gaddafi after he gave up his news. He was deposed uh, a short time later, not immediately, but a short time later uh, in the Arab Spring and rather undistinguishedly uh, dragged out and killed, essentially found in a hole and killed. And uh, I don't think that any dictator wants that for themselves. But uh, the interestingly tortured path that's going on now with the U.S. and North Korea is going to be quite remarkable. It remains the biggest foreign policy challenge for the administration at this point. And on a more upbeat note, congratulatory, Jared Kushner has finally gotten his security clearance. And uh, I think that that is important. I, I think many people out there actually doubted that it would eventually happen. It's actually been so long that this thing has been dragging out. And it, it's, it's just a, a remarkable uh, thing. Um, either the president should have the opportunity to pick his advisors, to pick his staff, and to uh, you know, bring into his administration those who are best, he feels are best to serve them, he or she, I guess, whoever the president is. It applies to everybody, not this president specifically. And I think that 
the way this has been handicapped, I guess, because of multiple, you know, conflicts and business interests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, has definitely cast a, uh, uh, a shadow or a cloud over the administration. It's been something that, you know, certainly has been a, a problem, but now that's fixed. So let's move on. Let's move on past this whole thing. Uh, it's time, you know, let's get this big cloud done, move on, do the work of the country, get things done, because that's what the American people need. That's it for this week here on Spin Class. Michael Fragan joining you on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.